0: KYW original podcasts. This is a Flashpoint Encore. I'm Flashpoint host Cherry Gregg. With the recent announcement that the U.S. House of Representatives will now launch an impeachment inquiry into certain acts and statements by President Donald Trump, I had to bring back this Interview that I recently did with Congresswoman Madeline Dean, and she specifically talks about what it means to do an impeachment inquiry. Take a listen. Congresswoman Madeline Dean represents the newly created fourth congressional district based in Montgomery County, and we are here in her Glenside office. Congresswoman, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. So it's been a busy year or so for you, um, and you our freshmen and what has been considered the bluest, most diverse, with 40 women, how has it been?
1: Phenomenal. Uh, I love that you point that out. This 116th Congress is the mm-hmm. most diverse Congress ever, with people coming from all walks of life, yeah. not your normal politician uh, trail. Uh, Many people coming from industry or medicine or veterans, uh, from business, you know, all kinds of folks. Uh, Or somebody like me that was uh, a state representative. Mm it's also very exciting to see the diversity with the number of women. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, uh, we have Muslim women. Uh, we have um, Native American women, LGBTQ people. Uh, and this is all within the Democratic caucus. Yes. I have to admit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, it's very exciting to be in the majority. From the outside
0: looking in, there's so much Twitter, you know, so much rhetoric going on. But what is it really like inside of the House?
1: Well, and and I try to make sure I don't feel like I'm in a bubble and and make sure I stay connected Mm -hmm. to my district. So it's been really useful to be back in district for several weeks this summer. To me, as a freshman, but somebody with experience and age, I'm not young, Mm -hmm. it feels extremely good and extremely powerful and positive. Of course, we are up against uh, many brick walls, but we talked about the fact that we are a majority for the first time. Democrats Mm -hmm. are in the majority. Mm -hmm. And that has made a difference. Women being in this has made a difference. It's made a difference in the conversations we're having in caucus and you see it in terms of the legislation that's been brought up a lot of times the news can't cover it all and yeah. I, I'm sympathetic because there's just so much flashing every single day and tweets of the day or scandals of the day but I what I try to tell my constituents is take a look at what we've done in the house we have passed powerful legislation we've had important hearings I'll give you a small example mm-hmm. uh, I really wanted to be on the Judiciary Committee yes, and I'm on it on yeah, it. yeah. And, and, and and Chairman Nadler is a talented uh, lawyer and a and a talented congressman. Uh, but when I interviewed with him and talked with him and told him of my interest, uh, what really appealed to me was that he wanted to do substantive work as well as important oversight. Mm-hmm. And no one would trump the other, pardon yeah. the verb. And, and he's done that. What was the very first hearing he chose to have in our new majority in this new Congress? gun violence. Mm. Congress has not had a hearing on gun violence in something like 10 years, Wow! even though we know we are suffering a scourge of gun violence. Mm-hmm. He chose that as his very first hearing. Uh, I chose for my very first bill to introduce something having to do with guns. We passed in February uh, two bills, two background check bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were two bills in two days. The whole House passed, not just judiciary, whole House passed, sent to uh, the Senate. More than 26 years has gone by. Uh, since we passed gun legislation. Yeah. And there it sits. So there's so much going on. We have passed 200-plus substantive bills on good government, on fair pay, um, uh, reauthorization of VAWA, violence against women, so many good bills. Uh, And so real substantive work is going on as well as important oversight. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think sometimes the news doesn't have the opportunity to Mm -hmm. focus on it. But it feels powerful and good. But I know we have a long way to go to get the Senate to take up this legislation. And that's what
0: I was going to say. Is there any effort to kind of close the gap across the aisle?
1: I think you're absolutely right. We have to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. We have to work across the aisle. Uh, I actually got a bill passed uh, in the first six, seven months that we were there. And I did it purposefully with yeah. a Republican member. Another freshman, also from Pennsylvania, Guy Rushenthaler, he and I co-sponsored uh, Stoic. It has to do with state grants uh, for police officers, for the departments for police officers, because there's a increase in police officer suicide.
0: Yes. Uh, and mm-hmm. so these
1: are uh, state grants to help uh, combat that. I wanted to do that in a bipartisan way. I just found out last week, unsolicited, that I am one of the most bipartisan members of this new Congress, mm-hmm. um, somewhere fourth in the ranking in terms of seeking bipartisanship and signing onto bills uh, by both sides of the aisle. Uh, but to that other point, Getting across to the yes. other chamber. What's it feel like? It, it it's discouraging, mm-hmm. uh, and and we see that, for example, life saving legislation like the background check bill doesn't go anywhere. I purposefully thought a meeting with uh, our senator, Senator Toomey, on this issue. I got the meeting, but unfortunately, he didn't believe our bills would go anywhere. And I think that's a failure. It's a partisan divide. It's uh, it's a chamber divide. Uh, at a time when 97% of Americans believe we need to do something on gun violence to yeah. curb you know, the 40,000 people of the year who die of gun violence.
0: And I do want to mention, uh, I think since Sandy Hook, you've been a proponent of dealing with the issue of gun violence. Yeah. Um, co-chaired a committee here in Pennsylvania. Um, you're on the Gun Violence Task Force now. That's right. What more can we do? I know background checks, they've been languishing this bill. But what can legislators do to really deal with this? Because, you know, literally people are dying.
1: That's right. Yeah. And really, the numbers are staggering. Uh, I used to talk about 33,000 people a year dying. That number jumped to mm. 40,000 people mm-hmm. uh, in 2017. Literally another more than 100,000 people were wounded, caught in the crossfire. Yeah, That's children, it's babies, it's children, it's old people, it's young people. It's an incredible scourge. The other part of that that sometimes people don't understand is more than half that 40,000 number is gun violence suicide. So there's so much we could be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is homicide, some of it is accidents, and a great portion is suicide. There's a lot we can do to bridge the divide. Uh, And I have hope because sometimes people, and I come from the state legislature, Mm -hmm. uh, where people said, oh, my gosh, this is Pennsylvania. You can't even talk guns. We can talk guns. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody like me is interested in taking away someone's legal gun rights. Yes. But we know there are ways to curb gun violence. Uh, So one thing that we're doing very actively is the Judiciary Committee is coming back a week early. Jerry Nadler has called us back. We're going to be going in next Wednesday, and we're marking up three bills. One of them has to do with that red flag bill, so Mm -hmm. that you could go to a court, uh, a family member who's concerned about a a person in crisis, um, law enforcement, a medical person, could say, look, um, please, Your Honor, take a look. This person is in grave crisis. Make sure he or she does not have weapons in their possession.
0: And would that be also applicable to those Individuals having suicidal thoughts in addition to this. Very, very much.
1: It's called um, extreme risk protection order, red flag bills. I actually Mm -hmm. introduced that in the Pennsylvania House a couple sessions back. Others have introduced it since. It makes real sense. Uh, We prohibit certain people from possessing or buying uh, weapons when we know they are a threat, whether they are a felon or they have a serious mental illness. But there's a whole gap of people Uh, And one sad example of this is the Charleston shooter. Yeah. It was known he was in grave crisis. Mm -hmm. It was known by his friends. One of his friends even took the gun away from him a couple of days before that terrible shooting. Uh, But the friend was afraid for his own liability and gave the gun back. If we had these red flag laws, and states that do have them, uh, they're very effective to temporarily, not permanent taking, temporarily take the weapon out of that person's hands and possession. Uh, so that uh, their life can be saved, and others can be saved,
0: another big issue that has made headlines is the Mueller report and the mm-hmm. talk about potential impeachment you 've called for an impeachment inquiry, correct. What does that mean to to regular folks? What sure. were you calling for, and where does that stand?
1: Thanks for asking and I, it it, it And I think also people worry that nothing's happening. Yeah, Uh, But things are moving, Mm -hmm. uh, constitutionally moving, even in the face of tremendous obstruction by this administration. The administration is not interested in us doing our constitutional duty of oversight, whether it's on the Judiciary Committee. I also serve on the Financial Services Committee, and we have oversight responsibility there. And, of course, intelligence and and, uh, other committees of jurisdiction have oversight responsibility. So what's going on? Uh, At the point when first Attorney General Barr failed to come before us, for Mm -hmm. when we legally issued him a subpoena, he failed to come before us, Uh, and then um, we could anticipate that Don McGahn, who was due to come before us, would not come, the administration calling for a blanket immunity for themselves or anyone who ever worked with them. It's not a legal thing, but they claim it. Um, I said to myself, and I actually talked to my staff, and I said, what I'm going to I feel like I'm a person on the front line as a member of the Judiciary Committee. Mm -hmm. If McGahn fails to come before us, and if he, too, thwarts a legal subpoena issued by a co-equal branch of government, then I have to do something. Mm -hmm. So at that point, as soon as McGahn failed to come uh, and the administration blocked it, I said, I am in favor of an impeachment inquiry. I don't know how many people were in in on it at that point. Um, But that number has steadily risen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now it's over, I think, 130, somewhere in that range. Uh, And so that's been steadily growing over the course of this summer, even when we were not there. Um, And
0: what does that mean? People hear those terms, as regular folk, an inquiry. Does that mean that this is going to be the impeachment hearing of some sort, that this could end in a way, there's going to be votes? What does an inquiry
1: mean? Well, and I appreciate that. And there's confusion. Is it an inquiry? Is it an investigation? Mm -hmm. And so to my—I'm going to simplify this um, because I don't claim to be a scholar on this. But from going from oversight to calling it impeachment inquiry or impeachment investigation, and that's literally what Jerry Nadler, our chairman, has called Mm -hmm. it, and we've used that exact expression in our court filings, it signals to, I hope, our committee— yeah. to the administration, to the American public, and to the courts, that we are not just doing broad, undirected oversight. We are now doing oversight to inform us whether or not we should draft articles of impeachment. So it's a much more direct—it also creates an urgency, and, and the courts have understood that. So in our filings, trying to enforce these subpoenas— We have said, and the the, uh, Speaker is well aware of it, Mm -hmm. and our legal counsel for the caucus uh, approved it and, of course, drafted it, that we are now in an impeachment investigation that the Judiciary Committee is um, a part of right now. So it's not this vague, while we're doing oversight, to see if there's any inappropriateness, any wrongdoing. We're taking a look are there impeachable offenses that we need to actually write up? How do you think that would affect 2020? There are the political considerations and there are constitutional, Mm -hmm. I think ethical, kind of moral considerations, constitutional considerations, most importantly. There are people smarter than I that can game out the political portion of it. Mm -hmm. I feel an obligation, a constitutional obligation, to make sure that we call out document for the American people the wrongdoing of this administration. Mm -hmm. The administration is involved in corruption and wrongdoing, some in plain sight. The Mueller report revealed a lot not in plain sight, Mm -hmm. uh, but now is in plain sight. Thank you uh, to the Mueller team for doing that extraordinary work. Um, And I feel an obligation to move forward. Some people have made the calculation that, oh, we should just probably not do it because it might derail uh, electoral hopes for next time around. I, I don't think you can have a constitutional system of government and say this wrongdoing looks to be so big and so monstrous uh, that we don't want to give an electoral win um, because of firing up a base. I feel like we have an obligation to make sure that we track down wrongdoing, call it out, uh, and hold the administration, directly hold the president accountable Mm -hmm. to the American people. uh, Some people are frustrated. Why haven't you already done it? Why haven't you filed articles of impeachment? Why haven't you voted on it? It really is an extraordinarily high bar yeah. to bring impeachment. It's a serious thing. I, I I don't take it lightly. It's not something that you just throw out there. Um, but you, it, as as lawyers, yes. you have to build the case. Mm-hmm. And the case is the the court is the court of public opinion, mm-hmm. even though it's going to take place in a house and in a senate if it should happen it's the court of public opinion that's going to matter more than anything.
0: And you seem to have been not, you didn't just jump on the bandwagon. It seemed right. like you took time to kind of evaluate the situation, look at the Mueller report, yes. wait for the testimony to come through before you really started pushing for this this inquiry. Yeah. Why did you decide? Because a lot of people just came in, you know, got elected and said, boom, this is what I'm going to do, right. You, but you took time. Why were you... Why did you take that time?
1: The two things I was waiting for was, A, to see the Mueller report and read it, and to see for myself, even in the redacted version, is there serious wrongdoing in here? And the answer is yes. Extraordinary wrongdoing on the part of Russia. Extraordinary collaboration, even if they didn't find criminal behavior. a yeah. 100-plus uh, contacts with the Trump administration and the uh, Trump excuse me, campaign. And the Trump campaign never once raised their hand and said, this doesn't feel right. Maybe we should let the FBI know that Russia is trying to help us win an election and trying to interfere uh, in illegal ways, uh, in, in hidden ways with this election. And then volume two of the Mueller report, the Trump administration, Mr. Trump himself, once he recognized he was under investigation by the special counsel, within days, calls upon Don McGahn or Corey Lewandowski, go fire Sessions, tell Sessions to go say something flowery about me. Um, see if you can um, curb uh, the, the, um, the horizon of yeah. the special counsel investigation to future behaviors. Uh, uh, you know, telling people, offering people uh, friendship, pardon, you're still in my favor. Um, remember that Uh, it's incredible wrongdoing uh, obstruction uh, Mm -hmm. by a president who was extremely fearful for what was going to be found yeah and how is your how's
0: this district their fourth district uh been what has been the reaction uh from your constituents on this issue and and is this kind of what they want as well
1: this fourth district is a very cool district i have to tell you that (laughs) it's 97 percent of montgomery county the place i was born and raised Mm -hmm. and then a piece of berks county on our western front it's a diverse district i I think it's a really thoughtful engaged district Mm -hmm. uh and so some of the things that sort of tipped me off uh, i'll give you sort of anecdotally literally going to my local barber shop uh multiple times that i have been in there uh person after person, and they will come up and say, Mad, you know I'm a Republican, but you must do something about this wrongdoing. You must impeach. Yeah. Uh, uh, Democrats, of course, say that too. Some people say, look, I'm actually an independent, but this has got to stop. Uh, not everybody in this district thinks impeachment is yeah. the right thing to do. I think some also, uh, I literally was at an event a couple nights ago, and a woman uh, said, I just worry about impeachment for the political uh, fallout. Yeah. Um, that it will stir up a base and actually reward the president with, with a re-election. As I said, I try not to make those political calculations. I try to listen very closely to my constituents, and then I take my constitutional obligation uh, that I swore an oath to yeah, uh, uh, to do the proper oversight and put the facts before the American people.
0: Put the facts. Let the American people hear what's going on. So what yeah. are the local issues that you're very focused on when you're in Congress, or that you'll be focused on this next session?
1: Well, and, and I always try to pivot back to those. When I knocked on doors running yeah. for this election, and I was not alone. This was true across the country. Uh, Health care was the number one. Mm. Bread and butter across the kitchen table issue or across the transom thing that people wanted to talk to me about at the doors. And so I've been pleased to be a part of legislation um, to try to make sure that prescription drugs um, yeah. are affordable, um, make health care more accessible. Mm-hmm. The other thing that people talk about is the, that they're very pleased that we have the ACA, but still there's a whole population of people that are either uninsured or can't afford the premiums on the exchange. Mm -hmm. We have to deal with that gap. Number two, I think, is gun violence, um, very much. The environment is very important Mm -hmm. across this district in in very broad ways, but in some very grievous ways in terms of water contamination.
0: Yeah, that's Uh, been big
1: all over the country right now. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We have Willow Grove Naval Air Base uh, Mm -hmm. in our district. And so, what has been learned over the course of the last half a dozen years is that the contamination called PFAS, PFOA, uh, the chemical compound that was in firefighting foam, is still in some firefighting foams, that was used for decades Mm -hmm. on that base. My brother worked there uh, after his service in the Navy. And so, it's incredibly powerful firefighting foam to put out, of course, gasoline fires, uh, airplane fires, those kinds of things. Um, But it has left a contamination that has leached into the ground, leaches continually into our um, groundwater and then into our drinking water. So PFAS contamination and the health effects connected to that uh, are critically important to this area. As we wrap it up, I want to ask you two questions. First, what keeps you up at night? Oh, the opioid crisis is one thing that wakes Mm -hmm. me up. Um, we lost 70,000 people in 2017 to overdose. It's a staggering number. A hundred and some people uh, a day. I, I call it a jetliner a day. If we had a jetliner a day going down in this country, do you think we would start thinking immediately about emergency outside the box ways of stopping it?
0: As you represent your hometown of Glenside. yeah, <laughs> Glenside! Have your office in, in your hometown. Yes, it's the heart um, of the civilized world. <laughs> What are you excited about going into this next session?
1: What am I excited about? Making a difference with this new majority, um, continuing to pass good legislation, and then moving in and hopefully persuading the Senate um, to do the right thing.
0: Thank you so much, Congresswoman Madeline Dean, for coming on Flashpoint and talking about these important issues in the news. It's a pleasure to be with you, Jerry. Next up... They're teaching bars how to stop sexual violence. How do you intervene in that space without it being aggressive? The woman behind Safe Bars Philly gives tips for intervention. We'll be right back.